Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Today we're in a new series called, well, it's our second week of the series, called The Beginning of the End. And the thought behind this is this, that if you will begin to do A, then B will end up happening in your life. If you will begin to do this thing, then this is what will end up happening in your life. Um, The last few weeks here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, specifically, have been what some of us would call absolutely insane, um, a little nuts. Um, and, and some of that happened just this week. Some of us, our football teams for college are still playing football um, right there, right? Like zoom in, baby. Um, sooner born, sooner bred. And so um, some, some of our teams, if you're a Big 12 person, if you are SEC, ACC, um, there's probably another one. Uh, if you're in that category, your team's playing, right? But if you are the Big Ten, or you're the Pac-12, and let's be honest, Pac-12 is not real football anyways, but, um, you know, your team's not playing, and, and, and when that got announced, there are people with opinions all over the board, right? Like, how could you endanger these, these guys' lives, and then people are like, let them play, let them have a choice to play, just, dear God, let them play football, right? And, 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 and so there's a gamut of opinion. If you didn't know, there's a lot of opinions out there right now. I didn't know if you have found that to be true. Um, one of the other things is schools started opening again, right? Or not opening. It, it just kind of based on what school district you live in. I go, my kids go to Jinx. I don't go to Jinx. It's not Billy Madison all of a sudden. Um, my kids go to Jinx and they came out and announced that they are going to be doing school virtually until the numbers come down to a place where they feel it's safe to do class again. Broken Arrow Union, they're going back. I think Owasso's doing virtual. And here's what's happened, is that when this got announced, good people, people I know, lost it. And there's a term I would love to use that I don't get to use because I'm a pastor, um, but they lost their minds, right? They lost, lost it online. They're blowing, uh, how could you? You don't care about children. You don't care about their safety. You know, you don't care about kids' education or you'd let them go to school. You don't care about kids' health or you'd let them stay home. There's both sides of the game. And let me say this, as, as a 
dad, as a pastor, as a husband, man, I've got, a, I've got an opinion on this. Surprise, surprise, right? I, I do have an opinion. But to every school administrator out there that you're watching or you're here, to every teacher, to every parent, and to every student, you are not going to hear your pastor's opinion on this, but you are going to have your pastor's prayers instead. Um, and I really feel that is the church's response. You can have your opinion, but what our school officials need right now, what our students and what our parents need right now are our prayers. They need a church body that is praying for them. Because it's hard to lead right now, right? It's hard. There's no answer that's going to make everybody happy. It, it's, it's, and that's where we are at with everything. We're, we're, I don't, do you guys know it's an election year, right? Like, I, I mean, it's everything, everywhere. You know, if this person gets elected, our country's going to burn down. If this person gets elected, our country's going to burn down. There's no good choice, right? Like, we're all going to die. I'm just like, what is happening? Like, adults are scaring the children again. Like, calm down, right? And, and so what do we do? What, what do we do? For you at home, what, what do we do? How do you function in this kind of environment? What is the responsibility that you have as a follower of Christ. Not, not as a parent, not as a, a husband or a wife, not as a student, but our main responsibility in this life while we're here is to live up to the responsibility as what am I responsible to do? What am I called to do as a follower of Christ? Because if we can get that right, right? If we can get that right, most of the time, we're the husband that we're supposed to be and we're the wife we're supposed to be and we're the parent we're supposed to be and we're the kid we're supposed to be and everything lines up. So, so here's our text today, John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, and it says this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. Not, not as you have seen it portrayed, not as you have seen this world love one another, but Jesus lays down the gauntlet here. He says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Not like you feel, not like the culture around you is loving, but as I have loved you by this, not by your Christian t-shirt or your bumper sticker or the big Bible that you carry around everywhere with you, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So today, here is our beginning of the end I want to share with you. This is what it looks like. When you begin to love like Christ, you will end up a better you. When you begin to love like Christ, you will end up a better you. And the reason I say you'll end up a better you is because most of us in this place, we know it's going to be better for everybody else if we love like Christ. We know our relationships are going to benefit from it. We know our spouses. We know everybody that is in connection with us that their life is going to be better off, but everybody, you are going to be better off because you made a choice to love like Christ instead of to love like you feel. But, but here's the problem. What does it look like to love like Christ? 
right? Because love can look like anything. We could, we could take a poll and I would say, what is love, right? And all of us would have different definitions. And most of the time, the reason we have different definitions and we have a different meaning to love is because we call love the way that we perceive love, the way that we like to give love, the way that we like to receive love, the way that we grew up knowing what love is. And, and, and that's a bit of a problem today because that means if we keep love at that basis, it is going to be very subjective to your opinion. There's got to be a more concrete, a more biblical way of you and I to love if we're going to love one another and if we're going to love like Christ. And there is a passage in the scripture of God that grounds us, that shows us what the love of Christ looks like. And most of the time, it's only read when we do marriage and relationship series, or we talk about, talk about it in weddings. And it is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm going to read to you out of the message translation because it is my favorite translation of this passage. And here is what loving like Christ looks like. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, this way I translate that, if I preach like T.D. Jakes, right? Revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day. If I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, I can do the miraculous, right? But I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor, even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Let's, let's pause there for just a second. Let that sink in. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle. Man, those three sentences right there are huge right now. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, and always looks for the best, right? Are you, are you still always looking for the best, or do you get fixated on the worst? Because love al it always looks for the best. It never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies, this is what loving like Christ looks like. This is it. This is what loving like Christ looks like. And this is what it needs to look like when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your relationship with your kids, when it comes to a relationship with your parents, when it comes to dealing in your professional life, when it comes to dealing with the school administration, when it comes to dealing, here it is, with your ex, what? Shut up, Justin, I'm telling the truth, right? Like, are you kidding me right now? When it comes to dealing with people you don't like, this is what love 
looks like, and we know this, if we will begin to love like Christ, it will end up leaving others better off, but here's a promise I can make you. It'll end up, you'll end up being a better you. You'll end up being a better you. Most of us, we don't need more self-help books. We just need to love like Christ. Really, we don't need more conferences how to improve myself. Man, we just need to learn to love like Christ better because I can promise you this, it will make you a better you. So now that we know what love is, now that we've answered the question and we've come to the level of Forrest Gump today, we know what love is, right? Here's what I want us to know. How do we live it out? Because it's one thing to know it, another thing to live it. So how do we live out loving like Christ? The first thing I would tell you is this, is that we've got to lead with love instead of your opinions and assumptions. Got to lead with love instead of your opinions and assumptions. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. What does fear do and how does it operate, right? What does fear do and how does it operate? Fear leads to you and I becoming paranoid, right? It's like when Casey gets up in the middle of the night She's a bit scared. Like, well, something is happening right now in my marriage that I just need to confess a little bit. This may be a little too much TMI right now, but I'm okay with that. Lean in. Um, so when I get up to use the restroom, the last, like, two weeks, Casey gets up. She says nothing, right? And I'm turning and to go back to bed, and there is a woman with her hair in front of her walking at me like some girl off the ring. I'm like, ah, right? I'm like about to, I don't know, to charge her, to hit her, to scream like a little girl. I don't know. I'm just like, kill shot. I'm just like, ah, it freaks me out, right? So now you know what has happened? Every time I get up to pee in the middle of the night because I'm like an 80-year-old man, I'm freaked out. I'm paranoid that Casey's coming around the corner. So I'm like coughing and clapping. I'm doing like the woo bear, right? Like Casey did when we were hiking. Woo bear! (laughs) I have a spirit of fear when I'm using the restroom in the middle of the night. First service didn't get this, right? This is just for you, second service. You're welcome. What has happened is now I am paranoid. And paranoia will destroy you, right? It destroys you. And it leads to me jumping to assumptions now. Now I'm like, where is she? Where is she? You know, I'm kind of coming out like, where is she at? Where is she? Where I can get you, girl. Right? Like, I'm waiting for her. And I have a, I, I, truth be told, I deserve way more than that. I, I, do, I have a lot more. But, but fear, here's what happens. It always jumps to conclusions and leads with opinions and has assumptions that you always jump into assumptions because you're paranoid. It's not, it's not giving the benefit of the doubt. That's the way love functions. Love gives the benefit of the doubt instead of assuming the worst. But paranoia assumes the worst. And so 1 John 4, 18 says this, there is no fear in love, right? There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Let's dive into the scripture a little bit deeper. This word punishment comes from a Greek word called colossus, and it means to torment 
perhaps with the idea of deprivation. Here's what I want us to understand. Deprivation means this, to pervert or corrupt the meaning of something. So here's what this is saying. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has, fear perverts and corrupts the meaning of love. That's what, that's, and this is what paranoia and fear does. It always corrupts and perverts what love really looks like and how it functions. And you and I have to understand that when you assume the worst, it deprives you of the relationships you were supposed to have all along. That's what fear does. That's what fear always functions in our life because fear always jumps, right? It always jumps to conclusions. It always jumps and assumes the worst. Um, anytime, this is how fear and paranoia operates. I am not good at responding to text or good at answering my phone all the time. I, I'm just not very good at it. I'm trying to get better, but I am a growing equals changing, right? That's where I'm at. That's one of my areas that I'm trying to get better at. Anytime Casey calls and I don't answer her phone or I don't answer a text right away, she doesn't say, who are you cheating with me on now, right? Like that's, that doesn't happen in our marriage. Anytime Casey can't get to the phone, I'm not like, oh, great, you're whoring around again. That's not what happens, right? That's not... <laughs> That's the first time I've ever said that phrase. Um, I haven't had coffee or snow cone yet. Just wait. Um, my wife is going to kill me. Um, so, <laughs> here we go. That's not the way love operates, right? I've got a good friend, that, that man. I call him while he lives in LA. He's my best friend, Corey Spurlock, and he is a busy guy. He's a doctor right now, so he's insanely busy. Probably he answers my call half the time. The other time, he's just busy. I don't jump to the conclusion that, you know what, Corey's like, did I make him mad? Did I, did I make him upset? No, because that's not love. That's paranoia, and that's fear. Fear jumps. Love keeps you grounded. Right? Fear jumps to opinions. Fear jumps with assumptions. Fear always assumes the worst, but, but love, it stays grounded and gives you the benefit of the doubt. And right now, we're in a time that we are quick to lead with our opinions. We're quick to lead with our assumptions. We're quick to lead to assume the worst instead of loving and giving the benefit of the doubt. And you and I are called to lead with love. You and I are called to lead this life in a way that we are full of power and we are full of a sound mind, which means peace. And if your life is gonna be full of power and full of peace, then it has to be full of love. Man, the trio goes together. It's like Mo, Larry, and Curly, right? The Three Stooges. It's, it's you gotta be full of love and full of power and full of peace, all of them are encompassed together. And what I can tell you is if you will begin to lead with love instead of your opinions and instead of your assumptions and instead of assuming the worst, what will happen is it will end up making you a better you. Because here's what I have come to understand about you and me. Man, we're full of opinions. Saw this on my buddy's uh, Instagram account. It says this, how social media works. This is fantastic. It says, me, I prefer mangoes over oranges. Random person. So basically what you're saying is you hate oranges. 
You also failed to mention pineapples, bananas, and grapefruits. Educate yourself, right? Like this is, this is how... This is how social media works right now. And, and, and here's the simple truth. When it comes to life, there's going to be people that prefer mangoes over oranges. And there's going to be people that prefer, prefer oranges over mangoes. But understand this. You can love someone and not agree with someone. You can love someone and not agree with someone. And, and the opposite of that is true, too. Right? We're like, hey man, I love you. I don't agree with you, but I love you. Someone can love you, but not agree with you. It goes both ways, but I'm right. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hear me. Someone can love you, but not agree with you. Jesus did this. The woman that was caught in the act of adultery, right? All the religious people bring her. We've got to stone her according to the law of Moses. What's he do? He writes something on the sand. He says, the first of you without sin cast the first stone. All of them drop the rocks. They walk away. And Jesus says, is there no one else here to condemn you? He loves the lady where she is at. He loves the woman where she's at. But what does he say at the end? He says, <clears throat> now go and sin no more. He loved her without agreeing with her lifestyle. Right? He loved her without agreeing with the sin. And some of us, some of us need to understand you can love someone without agreeing with someone. I've realized um, as I get older, I've got some really strong opinions. Um, I'm wearing one of my strong opinions today. This is this is my first time in almost 12 years to wear an OU shirt while preaching because half of you already turned it off because I'm wearing an OU shirt. You're like, I can't listen to this guy. Like, look what he's wearing. How and, and here's the deal. I love OU football. Did I go to school there? No, their seminary school's not real good at OU, okay? So get off my case. Um, <laughs> my dad went there, right? That's what I grew up watching and loving, and I am an OU Sooner fan. I love it. Now, I have grown up and if OU loses now, I don't kick my dog. I don't start yelling at my wife. It doesn't ruin my weekend. I realize these are college kids that aren't in control of my happiness. Lincoln Riley may be different, but these college kids are not going to ruin. And here's the deal. I've got a lot of friends that like other teams that wear orange. There's a lot of people that like OSU in this place, right? And you're an OSU Cowboy fan, and you are, I did it last time, you're firing the pistols. I'm not going to fire pistols, because the last time I did it, somebody took a picture and put it, it made a little meme, great. Um, aren't you cool with your little Facebook? Um, so, <laughs> pistols firing, right? And that's your team. Some of you, you like the Texas Longhorns, and I pray for you on a weekly basis, right? Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I have a strong opinion about that. I love OU football. I don't, I, I'm not being mean. I just, that's my team. I'm a root for them. I don't like cheesecake. Some of you love cheesecake and I don't understand it. Like I, I, I know I'm the odd, I, I know it's me, not you. Okay, it's like a breakup. I understand. <laughs> It is me and not you. I, I mean, I dry heave to where my eyes water every time I try it. And somebody's like, you got to try this. And the only time I try it now is with the old little grandma. I'm like, I can't tell her. You know, and so I take a big bite too. Like if I ask you for a bite of your food, be prepared. 
I'm coming in with a shovel. Like, I want a bite, not a nibble, right? Like, give me a bite. I mean, it's half your pizza, right? Like, give me, I'm going to sample this thing. And, and, and I can't do it. And here's the deal. I've got a lot of friends that love OSU football. I love cheesecake. Jake Regeer, he's in my connect group. Loves OSU football, loves cheesecake. Jarrett Hartwick up in the AV room. Loves OSU football, loves cheesecake. I've got a cousin that works out with me almost every morning. Aaron Renfro, first service. Loves cheesecake, loves OSU football. My own youth pastor loves OSU football and loves cheesecake. And how crazy would it be for me to say, I can't be your friend anymore. I'm just going to unfollow you on Facebook. I'm not going to listen to you. We can't be friends because of OSU football and cheesecake. That's insane, right? But some of us are doing that exact thing over different topics. We're doing the same. Well, I can't. I, you're voting for that person? Really? And I can love you without voting like you. Right? I, can, I can love you without being a Republican. I can love you without being a Democrat. I can love you and still not agree with you. And the Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It says, above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. We have to do this more because I have strong opinions, but my opinions and your opinions were never intended to be louder than my love right? You have strong opinions and I have strong opinions, but my opinions and my feelings were never called to be louder than my love. And yet some of us, it's the exact opposite. Let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of things we agree, disagree with. Some of us are going to prefer mangoes over oranges. Some of us are going to like OU football over OSU football or OSU football over OU football. Some of us are going to vote Democrat. Some of us are going to vote Republican. Let's flesh this out a little bit deeper and make it a little bit more personal. Some of us are going to handle COVID-19 differently right? Some churches are going to handle this differently. And while you may think, man, you're not being cautious enough or you're being too cautious, what I know is I can love you and, and, and function and handle COVID-19 different than the way Kevin Rand or Chad Craig handles COVID-19. I am called to love one another above everything and anything else. And that is true for every single one of us in this place. You and I are called to love one another. And just because I believe different than you, just because you may have a different lifestyle than me, just because you may vote differently differently than me doesn't make me your enemy or you my enemy. Church, we got to get to the place where we love one another. Because if we do that, it's going to end up making other people better. And it's going to end up making you a better you. Because who doesn't want to be around a person that loves like Christ? Hey, who doesn't want to be around that? So here's what I would say, and I close with this. Loving isn't something you just have, but something you choose to do. Loving isn't something you just have, but it's something you choose to do. It stops being 
a noun and it turns into a verb. And this is what loving like Christ looks like, is that you and I, we choose to love the difficult people. I was reading this morning in Matthew chapter five, Jesus talks about loving one another, and he doesn't just leave it there. He says, you've heard, you know, love those that love you and curse those that hurt you, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say this, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Love your enemies. Love people you don't like. Love people who don't like you. Love people whose kids you don't like. That's real. Be honest. Like, there's this nervous laughter, like, I don't like them. Um, uh, their kid's a brat, right? Like, love people who don't like your kids. They better not like my baby boy. That's my baby boy, right? Like, love one another. And don't just love the easy people. Jesus said, any run-of-the-mill sinner can do that. Tax collectors do that, right? Love the people that it's hard to love. And that means you choose to love them because you're never going to feel like it. I'm never going to feel like it. And this is where I struggle. If I'm being real honest, I'm like, oh, you said something bad about me? You're dead to me, right? Like, I'm just like, I cut you off. No more, right? I'm just like, I'm not going to hate you. I'm not going to love you. It's just going to be, you're going to be kind of somewhere in purgatory of my life. Like, I'm not going to do this. And John 13, verse 34 through 35 says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And one of the reasons this commandment is so big and so powerful is because of what happened before this. In the beginning of this chapter, chapter John, verse 13, we know this passage of Scripture. It says it was almost time for the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that it was time for him to leave this world and go back to the Father. He'd always loved those who were his own in the world, and he loved them all the way to the end. And Jesus and his followers were at the evening meal. It's a Passover meal. The devil had already persuaded Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to turn against Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him power over everything and that he had come from God and was going back to God. So during the meal, Jesus stood up and took off his outer clothing. Taking a towel, he wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a bowl and began to wash the followers' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Let's go back to verse 2. The devil had already persuaded Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to turn against Jesus. What amazes me about this passage of Scripture Peter gets all the press, right, in this story, because Peter's like, no, 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 you can't wash my feet, and Jesus' like, if I don't wash your feet, you are not a part of me. He's like, wash all of me then, like, give me a sponge bath, like, he's just right there, right? But in this passage, Jesus chooses to wash Judas's feet. Let that sink in for just a second. He, he, he chooses to wash Peter's feet. The two guys, the one that's going to betray him and the one that's going to deny him, he washes their feet. He knows Judas has already been thinking bad thoughts about him, and yet he chooses to wash his feet anyways. He knows Judas has talked bad about him and has already arranged a, a deal with the Romans, and yet he chooses to invest in his Judas anyways. He knows Peter's going to deny him, and yet Jesus chooses to wash Peter's feet 
anyways. He knows the hurt that's going to come. He knows he's going to get burned. And yet he chooses to invest and love into those two individuals anyways. And hear me today. Jesus shows us what love is. It's not about putting a crown on and ruling. It's about putting a towel on and serving. And when you can come to a place where you can invest and love in your Judas, that's the moment you start loving like Christ. And man, that's hard because I can do a lot of things, but when you hurt me or you hurt my family or you get negative or you talk bad about me, it is really hard for me to get and to minister and to invest and love you like Christ has called me to love you. But I have to choose that. And you have to choose that. And it's not up to an option. It's not up, we can't do it based on our feelings anymore. Right? It's got to be lived out in it because that's what the world does. They love, they love based on their feelings and based on, on if you agree with them or not. And there's a better way for you and I to live. And if we will start loving one another, if we will choose to invest in the person that's burned us, the person that's hurt us, the person we know Probably going to happen again, Justin, but I'm going to do it anyways. We can love like Christ. That's the moment you become a better you. That's the moment they become a better them. And so I want to leave you with two takeaways today. First one is this. What is one area of my life that I need to lead with love instead of my opinions and assumptions? Maybe it's the topic of mangoes and oranges. Maybe it's OSU football and cheesecake. Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's COVID-19. Maybe it's public schools. But what's one area you need to lead with love instead of your opinion? The second one is this. Who is someone I don't agree with but need to love anyways? Who's someone I don't agree with? Who's somebody, who's my Judas that I need to invest and minister in and two, so that I can truly love like Christ has loved me. I want to leave you with this scripture, and we're going to pray. First John 3.18. My children, our love should not just be words and talk. It must be true love, which shows itself in action. Let's do that. And when we begin to do that, we end up being a better us. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, I thank you that you're patient with us and your word is with us and it guides and it directs us. And God, I ask right now that you would speak to our lives. Lord, that there would be just a real moment that we have where we take an honest look as are, are we leaving, living this life loving like Christ? Are we leading with love? Are we leading with assumptions, opinions, paranoia and fear? Lord, are, are, are we loving our wives and our husbands and our kids and our friends and our peers and our coworkers, our parents? Are, 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 are we loving like you've called us? Or are we just loving based on the emotions of the moment. Because God, there's a better way to this. 
so we know, we know what love is, but Lord, help us to lead in love. Help us to function in love. Help us to understand, man, I can, I can love people and people can love me and not agree with me. I don't have to pick a fight with every person that disagrees with me, but instead I can love those people. And I can learn to love like Christ, to choose to invest in my Judas, in my Peter that that has hurt me and betrayed me. I can invest in them and love them. Lord, help us to love one another as you have loved us. It's in Jesus' name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed today. If you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here, and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we want to give you a chance to change that. You may be here today, and maybe it's that you're not where you should be in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And you just need to recommit your life to him because somewhere along the way, I mean, you fell away and you know it. And if you're here in this place, you're watching at home, I'm gonna count to three. And if that's you, I'm just gonna simply invite you to raise your hand and we're gonna lead you in a prayer to change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Is there anyone else? You lift your hands. There's several people that's already done it. You say, Justin, that's me. You join these two or three individuals that have already raised their hand. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service? If you raise your hand, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, I invite you to repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I have sinned and that I've messed up but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it and I turn to you. And I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.